United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. As you know, on Sunday, President Trump announced the uh, the death of the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Yesterday, Senator Chuck Schumer, the Senate Democratic leader, we must not in. confuse the death of this evil man with the total defeat of ISIS. Because of the president's abrupt, reckless decision to withdraw U.S. troops from northern Syria, the threat of potentially hundreds of ISIS prisoners and sympathizers, many of them dangerous, who have escaped in recent weeks, is growing every day. Senator Chuck Schumer yesterday. So obviously Sunday was a moment. The question is, where does that moment fit into the continuum in the region? Just returning from Iraq is Sarhan Hamasayid, Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace, joining us to give some perspective. He is tweeting at Sarhan, S-A-L-A-R. Sarhan, welcome back. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Good to be back. What do we take from the death of the leader of ISIS? Well, uh, the death of the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, is definitely an important accomplishment and uh, 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 an important blow to the terrorist organization. Um, and, uh, but the, the fact remains that the ideology of the organization, the uh, strength uh, of the organization will still continue, and the enabling environment that gave uh, rise to ISIS uh, continues. And they have been... Uh, resurging in both um, Iraq and Syria on both sides of the border for the past year or so. Um, So uh, an important development, but uh, we still have a long way to go. What are the protests about that are taking place in Iraq right now? Well, this is something you and I discussed uh, earlier this year as the government in Iraq was forming that uh, there's a widening gap between the, the Iraqi citizens and the political class and the leaders in the government, where uh, for years the Iraqi people have been feeling that um, they, are, they are not served well by the government in terms of providing services. There is unemployment, there is injustice, rampant corruption, and, and things of this sort. Um, and uh, it just there have been triggers over the years, but since 2015, uh, the recurring of these demonstrations have been only increasing and uh, getting stronger. And uh, the response of the Iraqi government and uh, Iraqi security forces, I should say, and other groups who are accused of being uh, linked to Iran has been excessive and lethal so far in two rounds of demonstrations since the beginning of the month. Uh, We may be talking about um, over 10,000 people injured and uh, uh, more than a couple of hundred people killed. So uh, this lethal response from a supposedly democratically elected government uh, is sending shockwaves through uh, the, the population. And uh, probably two key takeaways from this is that the, um, yeah, the demonstrations do signal the continued maturity of the Iraqi people uh, in terms of uh, the post-2003 transition after the toppling of a dictatorship. And second, uh, it also there is a strong Iraqi desire, mostly youth-driven, Shia youth-driven, um, pushing back on uh, the influence, external influence, uh, especially Iran. And to that point, I had noted earlier, the Associated Press reported that the day after some of these protests had been taking place, General Qasim Soleimani flew into Baghdad. He's with the Quds Force from Iran and actually chaired a meeting 
in place of the prime minister to talk about these these issues and i know this has prompted some concern about pushback about iranians getting involved can can you put that in perspective what is iran's role in all of this yeah well i can't uh, confirm that particular meeting but iran's role in iraq has been known to be a strong uh, role uh, those who say strong influence, others say maybe even more controlling. It has uh, uh, several levers of influence through uh, the armed groups. It's supporting a good number of them uh, under what's called the Popular Mobilization Forces. It has political influence through uh, parties across Iraq's uh, diversity of communities. And it also has uh, economic interest and it has been expanding its reach through forging relationships with uh, tribal leaders. So uh, Iraq, Iraq has been a zone of influence for Iran for years. It has a, a shared border with it, and it has been an economic lifeline for the country um, after the U.S. sanctions. So Iran does, definitely does not want to lose interest, uh, sorry, influence or control in Iraq. And the demonstrations, basically, uh, that uh, uh, threatening that uh, that influence because. Uh, if the people push the current leaders who have some way ties to Iran, uh, then that will not be a good day for Iran. Sarang Hamasaid with us, Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace. Sarang, what is the decision by the U.S. to withdraw from the region, uh, troops from Syria, et cetera, and uh, park them somewhere else? Some question about whether or not they might be in Iraq or not. What does that decision do to the situation in that region? Well, it has definitely uh, added another layer of complexity to what it was already a complex situation in Syria in general and in northeast Syria in particular. Um, the, the, basically, this uh, withdrawal was not uh, good news for the Syrian Democratic Forces, the U.S.-backed forces that helped the United States uh, and the global coalition to defeat ISIS, actually defeat ISIS and um, uh, having a NATO ally uh, uh, basically militarily intervene in the northeast Syria uh, complicated matters. It's basically in a matter of days. It allowed Russia and the Syrian regime to deploy to areas of the, you know, on the Turkish border and northeast Syria that it may have taken them uh, months of fighting and other resources to control and also uh, caused already some displacement of a couple of hundred thousand people and loss of life. But on the strategic um, uh, outlook, um, leaving the space for it left space for Russia, the Syrian regime and Iran, and also undermined um, the very objective of uh, of defeating ISIS, the enduring defeat of uh, ISIS. And uh, President Assad, I mean, his days are numbered still, but uh, one wonders if he's ever going to be out of there. Well, uh, I think for the past uh, few years has been good for uh, President Assad because with support from um, Russia and Iran in particular, he has regained control uh, on much of the country and without a fight on a good chunk of the uh, of the Northeast. Uh, there is a uh, process, a constitutional process that is supposedly um, uh, 150 members supported by the United Nations that is supposed to draft a new constitution uh, that many people use the political transi- democratic political transition as a way to say Assad will go that way. Uh, that is very hard to imagine given all the control that the regime has. And the Syrian Democratic Forces and uh, interlocutors from the northeast Syria are not represented in this constitutional uh, committee that has been set up. 
Um, so uh, as of now, it may look like a good day for the uh, for the regime, uh, but uh, that doesn't mean the, regaining territory does not mean that Syria will be stable or violence will stop. My last question, Sarang, since you just came back from Iraq, and I know this is sort of a, a squishy question in a way, but how does it feel? I mean, does it feel different from what it was, say, 10 years ago? Uh, it does feel uh, very different from 10 years ago. I think uh, despite all of Iraq's problems, the promise of the country that uh, members of the of civil society, that the civilians, uh, citizens are out there uh, holding their government uh, accountable uh, is an important, uh, when you, you feel that in the air, the, the empowerment of the people, but also they are treating it with a lot of concern. As I mentioned, the democratically elected government uh, using lethal force um, is, is of concern. And uh, the fact that actually uh, those who have interest in the system through corruption, through holding to power, holding on to power, through external agenda of countries like Iran and to a certain extent Turkey, they are afraid that uh, the United States is retreating from the region and the people may be left on their own to be crushed um, by uh, lethal forces of internal and external influence. So you have two dynamics going on, one, both fighting for the future of Iraq. One tries to be out of the control of the status quo forces, and the other is trying to preserve it. Sarhang Hamasaid, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for being here on POTUS today. Thank you. Good to be back with you. Sarhang Hamasaid is Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace, weighing in on the latest developments in the region after the death of al-Baghdadi. What happens next? He is tweeting, by the way, at Sarhang, S-A-L-A-R, at S-A-R-H-A-N-G-S-A-L-A-R. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.